on 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton, and it is just wonderful to be having a chat via the wonders of Zoom to Miranda Miller. G'day, Miranda. Hi, Clayton. It's so good to chat to you, and we, we must sort of, you know, acknowledge some sort of a connection here. We worked with each other, oh, I don't know, was it 15 plus years ago? Yeah, about 18, I think. Oh, 18, there you go, so... Yeah. A, a fair while, uh, right at the inception of what it was then known as Light FM. So it's wonderful to be able to uh, have a chat to each other, even though we're on opposite sides of the country. Miranda, we're talking to you today specifically because uh, you are a mum of uh, a daughter who has type 1 diabetes. And we, we're really focusing this hour around understanding and looking at what it means in society and especially for individuals. Can you tell us a, a bit of the story of how you first realised that Izzy was actually diabetic? Well, we have a really similar story to a lot of people, a lot of parents. Um, Izzy had the typical four major signs of type 1, which is thirst, toilet, they call them the four T's, thirst, toilet, tired, and um, I don't remember what the other one is now. I just had a mental blank. But anyway, she, she was always hungry, um, always thirsty, always going to the toilet, um, but and and got thinner. The the funny thing was um, that was the, the other one thinner. She just got thinner a lot more than probably you would expect, given she was eating so much. So we actually, looking back, she probably had those symptoms or some of those symptoms for about six months, mm. um, which is one of the reasons that there is often a lot of guilt with parents surrounding a type one diagnosis, because you look back and think, oh my gosh, she was so sick. Why didn't we notice? Now I put those things down to like one time we were on a holiday in Cairns. We noticed we were stopping for the toilet a lot because she was drinking a lot of water, but it was hot. It was humid. We just put it down to that. Um, she was really skinny. I was really skinny as a child. I remember my mum sending me off for tests because I was so little and no, just, I mean, in my case, I was eating like a bird. In Izzy's case, she was eating everything in sight. So it it just sort of, she gradually got worse and it was the, the fatigue that got worse. Um, she had a few other symptoms that we had no idea about looking back once we found out about them. We thought, oh, that was diabetes. She had fuzzy vision one time. I got called up from the school. She had a headache, uh, but, you know, headaches, kids get headaches. Um, two or three times, I think I got called, can we give her Panadol, you know? So... Looking back, that was all from having high blood sugar from um, her not having any insulin in her system because her pancreas had stopped working. So, yeah. And how old was Izzy at this point? So she was nine at that stage. Um, and we had done a, a ballet concert on the weekend and she was just so exhausted from the ballet concert. She, Looking back, she didn't really look like herself in all the photos and she was just always so tired and grumpy. Um and look, I think um, I was in the production with her and I said to her the next day, darling, I'm really tired too. It's so exhausting doing something like that. But then the next day she wasn't better. Um, she went to school because she was happy, still happy to go to school, but she was just really lethargic and she ended up having a two-hour sleep while she was at school. The school rang me and I couldn't get there in time. But um, I said to her, well, if you're still feeling like this tomorrow, I'll take you to the doctor. And the next morning... Um, she said she still wanted to go to school, but I booked an appointment and I saw her at lunchtime. I was working on campus at the time, actually. And um, I saw her and just thought, oh, my gosh, she looks so skinny compared to the other girls. And it's just then that it dawned on me. There's something not right. 
um, I kind of had it in the back of my mind for a while that there's something not right, but there was nothing really obvious. Like she wasn't sick, sick, you know what I mean? Like she wasn't throwing up. She wasn't mm. um, not able to get out of bed. She just continued. But um, yeah, it turns out she uh, had really high ketones um, because she had no insulin in her system to, to get rid of the toxins in her system. And yeah, she had, a, um, I took her to the GP that afternoon. He sent us off to the toilet to, to do a urine test. And when we came back and he put the little tester in and took me over to the bench and said, she's got type one diabetes. And he didn't even do a finger prick. He just knew her, her urine sample was so high in the color range. Um, and when we got to hospital, she actually had, I think, um, blood sugar needs to be in a range between four and eight is where you like to have it sit. And she had blood sugar of 42.6. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was re a real shock, uh, a real yeah. shock for myself and my husband. Yeah. Um, before we, we move perhaps a bit more with the, the story, for those who perhaps aren't aware, we, we, we know of the concept perhaps of diabetes and certainly it's been in, in our family. So I know a little bit more around it, but for others to go, okay, I, I heard of diabetes, people talk about type one, type two. How do you explain the difference, Miranda? Well, yeah, they are very different actually in that type one is an autoimmune condition. So Izzy hasn't done anything to get this disease. She hasn't like eaten too much sugar or had too many carbs or not done enough exercise or anything like that. She uh, just, her immune system decided to attack her pancreas. So just like someone with Hashimoto's, the same sort of thing goes on with your thyroid and those sort of things. So she, um, yeah, just doesn't have a functioning pancreas and so what happens is insulin is the key that kind of unlocks our cells and lets the glucose in so without that key to unlock the cells the sugar just floats around in your system and it does damage to your system um, you know long-term damage like amputations and kidney disease and heart disease and those sort of things um, yeah so that's kind of how I explain it to people. Type two, however, is just you have a very resistant, um, you're very resistant to insulin. So you're still producing insulin, but it's just not being used effectively by the body. And, you know, I'm not a scientist or a doctor or anything, but just basically speaking, type two can be helped with diet and exercise. Yes, they've realized that you do have a genetic disposition to it sometimes, but um, it's diet and exercise can help that. Uh, whereas Izzy can do all the, exercise in the world and you know people come forward with all these lovely helpful ideas of you know she needs to have lots of cinnamon and eat more okra and you know all of these sort of things it, it won't help because her pancreas literally does not work anymore yeah yeah so uh, as you you're going through here here's this moment where you've been told by the gp without even any more of these tests this is what's happened Mm. Um, now you understand all those things. I'm not sure how much of all of that you, you knew at the time, but um, what, what's your immediate reaction in that moment as, as a mum? You, you talked a little bit about guilt, but was that what it was then? Or was it just, what do we do next? Uh, my legs went jelly. I knew it was huge. Um, I sadly have a friend whose son died from type one. So it was, I knew it was big, but, and I knew it was going to be a forever thing that she had to maintain all the time. Um, but I had no idea really like how, how big a thing it was, I guess. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think I can share this and be honest and open with you. I think as I was walking home with her that day from school about to go to the GP, I thought to myself, 
I really hope it's not cancer because I thought she had bruises that weren't healing. You know, I thought maybe she had leukemia or something. And I was sort of relieved that it was something that is, and I know there are fabulous things to help with cancer these days, but I just felt like it's something we can get her insulin and get her well. Like I just knew that it was something that I was, I had a bit more control of immediately, Mm. I guess. And that's how I put it to my husband. And he sat up going, what are we talking about cancer for? Like, I went, you know, like, so I just wanted him to go, it's not that, it's this and we can deal with it, you know. So um, we went to the hospital, actually got then transferred to the children's hospital um, by ambulance. And that's another thing where you kind of, it hits you like, this is huge. Like the doctor said, you need to go now to the hospital. Here's a letter. And I said, like, like right now this afternoon or should, can we go tomorrow? No, 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 right now. And um, when we got to the first hospital, they sent her by ambulance, hooked her all up, got a, you know, she had a few other issues because of the diabetes um, and, and went straight by ambulance to the, to the kids', kids hospital. So, yeah. Mm. So here you are in this moment and you're going, all right, it's huge. It's not sort of that cancer that we thought, it's this aspect of it. Um, how did the next weeks and months play out for you as suddenly life was, um, you know, you, you you did have something you could control in a way, but also everything was out of control because you now yeah. knew what was going on. Take yeah. us through that sort of control and not control. Yeah, well, um, I got an hour and 45 minutes sleep that first night. Um, Izzy woke up in hospital on World Diabetes Day, so we'll always remember <laughs> that. Um, I, I guess... When I was in hospital, you stay in hospital for a week, or back then we stayed in hospital for a week to learn all about um, diabetes, what it means, how to give her insulin, how to inject, how you know all the things you need to know to kind of go on with life, um, carb counting, all of that. So you have all this education and stay there for a week. And she got progressively better. Like she felt better the next day. Once she had some insulin in her system, she already started feeling better, more herself and put on weight, wow, like, you know, 10 week weeks each morning and stuff like that. It was crazy. But she really, um, she really, you know, got her head around it. But it was, it was tricky as the parent. It's tricky because you're trying to take it all in. Um, your partner is also trying to take it all in. And um, you might be very different in the way you do that, which we were. And you're learning all this stuff. And you're also trying to work, walk your child through this, you know, scary situation these needles every day or every time you want to eat and you know everything like that so it was really really full-on in the hospital but I just went into I've got to learn this stuff I need to know everything I've got to be strong for her I'm going to go for it and I'm usually the emotional one I mean I had my moments honestly I cried a lot in hospital but interestingly my husband who I've only seen cry maybe three times he was very emotional like beside himself, breaking down just at the thought of it. Whenever he saw her, he'd have to walk out into the corridor. Like, you know, just he unfortunately went home and Googled everything and I was just refusing to. Yes. Um, and he he just, yeah, had sort of three days of just really not coping emotionally until a friend helped him kind of unpack it and a friend who happens to be a doctor helped him unpack it a bit and pulled him together and and he and he you know got on with it but it was just really interesting how we both approached that differently um getting getting home was then another thing altogether yeah well we're going to hear more of that story in just a couple moments time as we keep chatting with 
Miranda Miller. We're focusing on diabetes and and what it means for a family to have somebody with type 1 diabetes. As we heard, uh, Izzy's now 12. Uh, this happened when she was nine. We want to hear what it's like for the family, um, some of the, the things that we can encourage and talk better into community about as well. More with Miranda on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. Miranda Miller is my guest as we're talking about uh, really focusing on what it means for a family to live with diabetes. Uh, Miranda's daughter, Izzy, was diagnosed at the age of nine with type 1 diabetes. And obviously that changes what life is for a family, for, for a mum, for, for the child as well. Um, Miranda, thanks again for sharing what you're sharing with us. Um, you talked a, a bit in that first one about, all right, well, we all these things that happened and now, now you're having to face, okay, life's different forever. Um, over the course of the, the first year or two, um, do you get into routine or is this constantly new and feeling like it's constantly new? I would say there is a part of it that kind of gets, um, that you get better at. I don't like to say it gets easier because seeing my daughter hitched up to a pump and with a CGM in her arm and, you know, having to count carbs every time she put something in her mouth, I find that still find that confronting. So I don't know about easier, but I think you get better at it. Um, so in that respect, um, there becomes a bit more of a routine around it. But unfortunately, diabetes, and this is one thing I had no concept of, diabetes is affected by about 42 things, um, about 42 factors that affect what goes on with diabetes, whether your blood sugar goes up or goes down and that sort of thing. So the first few um, weeks and months um, after getting released from hospital, when you first get home, it's, it really is a living hell. It's so frightening. Um, in case people don't understand completely, when your blood sugar is below about four, um, for us, that's not a big deal overnight. But if a, someone with type one has, they've got insulin in their system continuously, either by a pump or by a needle, um, a long acting uh, insulin, um, because of that, if those, some of those factors change what's going on in the body, then they can drop low and quite urgently low. They, we, we have um, some numbers that you sort of stick to that it is low and then urgent low. And, um, you know, kids can die in their sleep. That's the sad reality of type 1 diabetes. And that's why um, it's something you've got to be really vigilant about. And those first few months, weeks and months, when you're trying to get their doses right, so you're in constant contact with the hospital and learning all the different things that you need to learn, uh, the, you know, the insulin doses changing all the time. So you're constantly trying new tweak things and try new things and different foods change how things go, the way the child's feeling, if they're sick, um, it can raise their blood sugar to a dangerous level. You know, there's just so many different factors. Um, you know, puberty, hormones, uh, if they're in a swimming race at school or a running race, um, you know, my, sister, my daughter sat at, on stage uh, and I was getting ready for it. I thought she might get an insulin, uh, need some insulin from a, a bit of a spike with adrenaline. And it didn't happen while she was on stage. And the minute she sat down, her pump started beeping and like it just soared. So she, she didn't get nervous. It was kind of a post nerves, you know, just adrenaline rush. Oh, it's over. And, you know, you've got to watch out for that sort of stuff all the time. And what we don't realise with a healthy pancreas is our body is just naturally doing this all day, every day, just adjusting our, our levels of insulin in our system to match 
the food, the glucose in our system from our food, um, the hormones in our system. Um, so it really is an amazing, amazing organ. Um, but we we just we just found that it doesn't ever like just when it's like in bringing home a newborn, you just think, you know, oh, we've got this routine down and then, you know, they start teething or they get a cold or something. So it's sort of like that. We'll get on a rhythm. Oh, she has dancing on a Tuesday and a Thursday, you know, so we'll make sure we do this on those days. And, and then the next thing, you know, um, something changes because she also has sport that day now, or she had something different for lunch or whatever. So it's just, it really is 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems that that is not only mentally and physically exhausting for the person, but also for the carer as well. I would imagine for for both of you. How do you how do you both look at it? Um, often we hear stories like this, and the you know the parents, the one that's going, oh my goodness, and the kids like, oh whatever, we're just running with it. Um, I'm guessing that doesn't happen all the time. But but what is it like for for both of you as you compare each other in that regard? Yeah, look, um, there's no doubt that you know is he's really got the short end of the stick it's it's just horrible to have to watch her inject herself or you know like put a cannula in every three days with her pump put a cgm in her arm i mean i just she's my superhero she's amazing but um she goes to bed at night and falls asleep and can't hear alarms so she just sleeps blissfully unaware and sometimes we even wake her up and give her sugar because she needs glucose, you know, because her, her blood sugar is going low and she won't remember it in the morning. She can't even remember that happening. And I'm, you know, filled with worry for that period while we're sitting up waiting for her blood sugar to come up and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's, it's different in that she's the one with it, you know, so she's, she's the one that's dealing with it on a daily basis and, and it's just a lot for a 12-year-old mm. because she's at that age now where the school's encouraging her to take more responsibility. Uh, you know, we as parents are encouraging her to take more responsibility. And it's a lot, you know, it's a lot for a 12-year-old to have in their head all day, every day. Yeah. And on um, top of all the other me. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, exactly, <laughs> you know, on top of, you know, she's in high school now and it's it's a lot. Um, so she really is doing a phenomenal job. Um yeah, but obviously as parents, we're the ones watching it happen and we're the ones trying to control what's happening. Um, and so that's, you know, it's just a different kind of burden, I guess, you yeah. know. One day she will be the one having to deal with it herself and yeah. we need to prepare her for that. So we just have to, you know, gradually give over the reins over yeah. the coming years. Yeah. Um, Miranda, I, I know that, you know, you also have, a, a faith in Jesus, a, you know, a trust in, in, in him. How does that play a part in terms of, you know, I'm especially trying to put myself in that place of, okay, every night when my kid goes to bed, I need to somehow get to sleep, but I need to be listening. And how do I have a trust aspect of it? Does faith play a part for you in, in, in how this actually works in your life? Look, it definitely has. Our faith has been really, you know, super important during this period. But it has been a struggle, I'll admit, like especially at first, um, you know, how could this happen? You know, all the things that Izzy was also wondering, how could this happen to me? You know, all of that. Um, so, yeah, look, it's been it's been a really tricky journey um, for some of it. But all along the way, we've just had these amazing glimpses of God at work. Like even from the minute Izzy was diagnosed, I was able to say to her, you know, our friend Gabby, 
with that thing in her arm, she's got type 1. And she's like, oh, okay. And the only reason she knew about that lady was because she served us at, a, at our local cafe. And Izzy said, this was two years before Izzy was diagnosed. She said, what's that thing in that lady's arm, mum? And I said, well, why don't we ask her? Oh, no, mum, don't. That's so embarrassing. And I said, no, she'd probably like to explain to us what it is. And I asked next time she came over, excuse me, what's in your arm? And she said, oh, that's a blood glucose monitor. I don't have to prick my finger anymore, or not as much, because I've got this monitoring my blood sugar because I have type 1 diabetes. So I was able to say that to Izzy as soon as she was diagnosed. Mm. It's like what Gabby's got. And straight away she had someone who was you know, articulate and gorgeous and, you know, like had it all together and, you know, conquering the world at the age of 22 or whatever she was at that point, you know, and she had um, someone, a role model to look up to from that minute. And I just felt like that was such a God thing. Um, then when we got taken by ambulance, both ambulance drivers, we had friends in common, um, which was amazing. And, you know, they were able to talk to Izzy about her school and all of that sort of thing. We just had all these same people in common. Then when we got to the hospital, I don't know about what her faith is like, but the thing that the endocrinologist said to Izzy was just so helpful. She said, Izzy, everyone has a challenge in life. This is your challenge and you are going to be amazing at it. Sorry, I get a bit emotional when I talk about it, but she like just to have someone say that at diagnosis for my daughter was just such a blessing and I just thought, and I kept saying to Izzy the whole time, I kept saying, you know, see, God's with us, you know, like I just kept reminding her, like, what are the chances of that? And, you know, what are the chances of that? Like, it's just, it's got to be God. So I, I really felt um, like that was a good way right from the beginning for her to see, like, she's being looked after, you know, yeah. she's being protected and we all were. Um, and just, you know, ever since then, we've had so many other situations like that where you just go, wow, thanks, that's that's what we needed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, it has been hard. Um, th the one thing that I'm so grateful to God for is an amazing community that we have around us, like a really strong um, community to lean on who have all been really interested in learning about Izzy's um, diabetes so that they can, you know, have her over for a play or look after her at youth group or whatever. So so I feel like we've been really looked after in that respect as well, you know. It's been yeah. fantastic. That's great. Um, Miranda, final question for me, and I suppose it's really on behalf of you and also Izzy, so you can take it whichever way you, you like from there. And I suppose that's really what, what would you love to see going forward? And, and maybe that's different types of medication or delivery or however it works or, or, or the way community looks at diabetes, whatever it might be. From, from, I suppose, your perspective, living it now, what do you think we could all be doing better or what would you love to see? I think a bit of bit of both um I'm really big on education like I really um I like to explain to people some of the things that Izzy has to deal with because I think it's important to have some understanding it's been called the silent disease for a long time because people just injected went to the toilet and injected insulin at the restaurant or whatever like it's it's been able to be really hidden but the problem with that and I in respect to anyone with type 1 who that's their choice to, to not be out there with it. Um, I can totally understand why they do that. But I felt like given her age at the time, and this might change, she might not want to be the poster child for type one, you know, but at the time she was very keen to educate her friends. First day back at school, she sat and, and showed her friends all her gadgets and what she had to do every day. And, um, you know, so I think 
education is really key because I think people don't quite understand. Like there's still quite a little bit of, um, I don't know, some people get discriminated against. Like they don't want to tell their boss they have it because of what it might, you know, they might lose their job or, or, or not be employed or, you know, just little things like that, which, you know, in this day and age is not the case. That, that, that would be discrimination. But people are a little bit kind of shy about that. I want Izzy to be upfront about it and um, own it, um, which she, she pretty much does so far and might change during the 10 years. I know they're very tricky and I'm, you know, I'm aware of that. But uh, I think we, we are really big on community and finding other people. And that would be my advice to people if their child has type one. It's just so important to find someone who's in the same shoes as you. And we, we managed to find a family who Izzy's a similar age to their daughter. They were diagnosed at a similar time. Um, they have She has a brother like Izzy does, you know, so we've just been able to connect with, um, I don't get along really well with the mum. So we've been able to connect really well as a family. And I also have some Christian mum friends. That was another God story, but some Christian mum's friends who's also had diagnoses of their children since then. Um, and so we all talk, you know, we have our little chat and I feel like that's a really, really important thing is to promote community, like, you know, get online and find the parents of type one Aussie kids or the type one foundation have get togethers and that sort of thing. I think it's really important for people to um, connect with other people in the same boat. But yes, of course, we'd love a cure. Uh, I have heard friends who've had type one for 20 years say, well, when I was diagnosed, they said, we're five years away from a cure. And they've sort of gone, you know, I don't want to just sit around waiting for that to happen anymore. I feel like better, better technology for what's going on right now in life is something that's probably what they want at the moment. And, and that's obviously we'd all love a cure, but there are some amazing things happening. Uh, some, you know, implants that, uh, able to just detect when there's sugar present mm. um, and the insulin only comes out when the sugar's present and that sort of thing, but it's all very early stages. But the fact that they've been trying for so long to find a cure kind of indicates how complicated the pancreas is, you know, this whole delivery of insulin thing is amazing and the liver's involved too, like this. It's really complicated. Um, and, yeah, we'd love to see those kind of things that make life easier for Izzy come in you know soon but we are really really grateful for the technology that she already has she has an insulin pump that uh suspends as she's starting to head low so it backs off on insulin in case she's um is gonna go low soon uh and soon it will do the opposite when she goes high it will deliver more insulin uh she has a, a cgm as i mentioned in her arm that is a, a continuous glucose monitor so she doesn't have to prick her finger quite so often uh, yeah, so, you know, we're really grateful for all that technology and the amazing doctors and nurses and, you know, all the education. But, um, yeah, we'd love a cure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Miranda, thanks for sharing your story. And, you know, thanks to Izzy on our behalf as well. You know, it's her story that you're sharing as well. And, and it's, I think it's just we love hearing people's stories. We love people living out something, even if that's tough, and, and the encouragement that that has for others who may be going through it and also the education I think you provided for so many today as well. We just want to wish you and, and Izzy and the whole family all the best. Thanks again for your time. Thanks. Thanks very much, Clayton. Miranda Miller, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.